0: That's slash be. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I am your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. I mentioned in episode 462 that I'm doing a new training program called How to Be a Transformative Principal. It's for those who are in their first three years of being a principal or assistant principals or aspiring principals who want to level up their game right now. Join me at jethrojones.com slash how the number 2 be. How to be. We'll see you there. That's jethrojones.com slash how to be. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am very excited to have Tracy Izzard on the program. She is known for her ferocious warmth leadership approach and professional collaborative culture work via the Buzz Academy. Tracy's collaborative framework, The Buzz, which creates an environment of learning trust and innovations used in education and organizational systems throughout Australia. Her Buzz Diagnostic has been used by thousands of educators, and she runs leadership programs in education for education and system leaders, and she's been doing this for over 15 years in all education ses- sectors in Australia and in New Zealand. Tracy is the author of three books. In 2021, she launched her third book, Ferocious Warmth, School Leaders Who Inspire and Transform, which is our topic today. Her previous books are Glue, The Stuff That Binds Us Together to Do Extraordinary Work, and The Buzz, Creating a Thriving and Collaborative Staff Learning Culture, which is designed for education leaders to support schools to bring about transformation in education. While her experience has been varied, Her last education position was as assistant principal in the Australian school system, and she has been running her own speaking and consulting practice for 16 years with two teenage children, two dogs, and when not at work, she loves spending time exploring the world, and she's also the board chair of the social enterprise, the Corner Store Network. Tracy, welcome to Transformative Principal.
1: Thanks, Jethro. It's really lovely to be here this morning. This morning for you and for me, and we're on the other side of the world, and that just is so amazing, blows me away, and thanks for having me.
0: Yes, I, I love that aspect that I can reach people all over the world by doing this podcast, and it is so amazing because I didn't know about you before a few months ago, and now I know you, and I'm so grateful because there's so much Good that you have to share. It's just inspiring and something that I don't think a lot of people in the United States where the majority of my audience is, but we do have people all over the world who listen to transformative principle. So I'm excited to talk to you today, especially about your newest book, ferocious warmth, which is really a a great way to look at school leadership specifically. So can you give us an idea first of what ferocious warmth really is?
1: Yeah, uh, it it comes from just uh, I suppose working with so many brilliant leaders over the years in education, who I just started noticing patterns around what they were able to do. And so if you if you think visually of an infinity symbol, the ferocious warmth first symbol is the infinity symbol, where great leaders are very skilled at being able to draw from the head and the heart. So they're you know really good at the result stuff, the strategy, the objective, um, the logic. But at the same time, they understand how to tap into the heart, the emotions, the storytelling, the the stuff that inspires people to get on board and co-create together. So Ferocious Warmth really came out of looking at what sort of leadership creates the type of strong, collaborative culture that we need to all work together as a collective and so it, it's it's got this idea of the daily dance of leadership where contextually you need to pull more from the head more from the heart in a heartbeat um and and have those together not apart so you know when we have the extremes we sort of have people that might be very results driven so they're very head and they're all about the measurement and they're all about uh what we're trying to do and the kpis and what's the outcome and It's very hard-edged and then we have the people that might go too much the other side and it's all about relationships and we forget side of the strategy and what we're trying to achieve. Uh, When we go to the extremes of that, we can really impact people very negatively. So I call the extreme of using our head the fearsome leader and the fearsome leader is one where people shut down. They don't want to say anything because they've had experience of their voice not counting. Um, The the fearsome leader, it's my way or the highway. It's the old autocratic leader. And that's, you know, on the very edge of the infinity symbol where we're we're simply very brain-driven. Whereas on the other side, if we're so heart-driven that we're enmeshed in the the gossip and the drama and, and all that sort of stuff and trying to rescue people, then we're out of balance as well. So the balance of ferocious warmth is bringing both the head and the heart in balance, together in the middle. So that's the the essence of the main part, um, and really accessible part, I think, of ferocious warmth, because people can really know when they might need to draw from the other side a little bit more than their default might be.
0: Yeah. So I remember early on in my uh, administrative career, uh, we read a book called I don't remember the title right now. Data driven leadership. I think, Driven by Data. That's what it's called by Paul brambrick Santoya, And then we did a bunch of stuff with John Hattie and the um, effect sizes. And I felt like everything was so focused on the results and on the data that we forgot who it was that we were serving. And so I leaned a little bit more in the relationship side and the people side as a way to combat that because there was so much emphasis on that. And there was so little that was there for the kids we were serving. And it was really focused on getting the results. And I didn't like how that felt. But then I I saw as I went over to to the softer side that I could fall too far over there as well. And so I love the infinity symbol that you use because it implies this motion that needs to happen that you call the dance, where you're going back and forth from side to side. And like you said, you really do have to, in a moment, switch from being focused on results to being focused on people. Yep. Because we're working with people. So, what are the the other aspects of the the ferocious warmth approach? There's the intelligence and the elements. Can you talk a little bit about those and give us an overview of yeah. those?
1: Sure. So there's um, wrapped around those, because there's so much in that. I love what you just said, Jethro, and that's that really was the impetus, I think, to create this concept around this. I'm incredibly concerned uh, around education that just goes around just data and doesn't see underneath the data and the stories that are behind it. Yesterday, I worked with a whole bunch of educators that work with the most vulnerable in the state that I come from in Australia. And uh, whilst at a high level, we can just be looking at what are the outcomes for these students. Each one of them has got a story. Each one of them has got a context and a life that we need to make sure that we're connecting to that. So that head and the heart coming together, no matter whether you're looking at results, what are the how do we get people on board with us is totally heart work as well. So I, what I've found is that these leaders that I've looked at, and in, in the book there's um, a lot of stories from these leaders. I've got to interview great people and observe them. And the thing that came out is very four, four very strong elements that sit around the outside. The first one is they're expansive. They're, they're absolutely the lead learners. They are constantly trying to broaden their view of the world and not close it down. So um, I, I, we have to move away from being right, you know, and actually open up and get people's insights, get people's ideas. This is also the element which leads collaborative cultures And, you know, to be able to build a collective and have a collective learning space, being able to create that psychological safety for people to learn deeply together and pull apart what they're doing, to be responsive to students, to really step in and be curious, that's a skill in itself. So expansive is sort of the kickoff because I think if we are not expansive ourselves, it's very hard to then lead expansion in others, whether it's our the people we work with or our students. The next one is connected. And that's where emotional intelligence absolutely sits. That's the connecting the hearts, connecting people to the purpose, the joy of the work, connecting the work together and creating that collective growth mindset. I'm a, you know, I, I absolutely am a proponent for us stepping into the growth mindset space of expansion. But I think collective growth mindset is like another evolution of that. I think we can have an individual growth mindset, but actually not be great at collectively working together. So we need people to connect us together around that. So connection is very much a heart element. Then we have uh, authenticity. And authenticity, I believe, is not... Let me show up with my real self and people have just got to suck it up if I happen to be, you know, a real self that actually is fearsome and stomps on people and so drama filled that I create havoc wherever I go. Actually, I I think that if we are true expansive leaders, we're always our authenticity is always trying to bring our best self, not our real self necessarily, because I I think when we unpack the layers of who we are, our real self really is our best self. It's the one that's always trying to get the best outcomes for the kids. So that's the third, you know. So we've got expansive, connected, authentic. And then the last one is courageous. And I think education has got so many challenges every day. We need to have this tap of tap into that well of courage. But at the moment, the the impetus is on us all the time, I think, to go how do we transform education right now? We're measuring too much of the wrong stuff. We're, we're having to shift out of this 18th century, 19th century paradigm of education, create innovation and transformation. We've got to be courageous. you know. So I often will ask uh, school leaders, "What's what would you do in your school if you were bolder? You no, know, what, what is it that you would do? And set your sights on that, bring people with you and go and do that thing. What is it that you're elevating up so that people are excited about what you're trying to continually transform with them. And we need courage to do that. Some of us need courage simply to have the more challenging conversation with that teacher that might be doing not quite the right thing. Everyone has got their, what's my part of courage that I need to step into? Uh, But the Ferocious Warmth Leader, it, it really brings together the head and heart that says, what is the core purpose of what I do? And what do I need to do to be courageous about getting there as well.
0: Yeah, I I like that a lot. There there are a couple of things that I want to point out. I love the idea that your um what did you say the authenticity is bringing your best self. I think that is yeah. so so key and that's a a thing that we don't think about. We we think that authenticity is bringing our real self and just being who we are. And I like how you're challenging that notion that it's really about being your best self. And that is who you should be when you're authentic. And yep. because our best selves are not always there on the surface. And no. sometimes they are hidden. And the real beauty of what we do is that when we are our best selves, then we're also an example to others for them to be their best selves as well. And Absolutely. that that's really challenging sometimes because sometimes I just want yeah. to be mad at someone.
1: Yeah, know? Yeah. Yeah, and and I think that that being mad at someone is okay if we if we uh, like you know we know from emotional regulation that we we need to own our emotions and where we we are, but if we're not then seeking to work out what was the trigger that got me there, you know. So this is where the 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 head and the heart stuff comes in, and I talk to people about what are your strengths and when sometimes can be triggered where your strengths turn into shadows. So for example, if I'm high in empathy. Sometimes that can mean that I trigger into avoidance because I don't want people not to like me or I don't want to go and have that conversation with someone because I'm thinking more about what's happening for them rather than what's happening for the student. So I need to pull from my head. I've, and it's like a tightrope walker. I need to pull from the other side. But I think when it comes to authentic self, it, it links very much to the, the aspect of expansive, which is I'm always learning about myself and growing. So, you know, if you're if you're a secondary Uh, school principal and you have a maths teacher that is still building their best self is still building their skills at calculus you don't get them to outsource the calculus to the maths teacher in the classroom next to you and you you actually say actually you, you need to build that skill and so why, when we get to leadership, do all of a sudden we go, oh, I'm going to get together a leadership team where I've got someone who does the people stuff. I've got someone who does the, you know, the, the maintenance stuff. We, we actually have a responsibility to build, to whatever extent we can, the stuff that makes a positive impact on people. And if that means I need to work on my emotional intelligence, then that's what I need to do. And it, I don't think we should ask anything about educators in terms of building their capacity in stuff that they don't feel familiar with if we're not willing to do it around our own leadership. So, you know, it's a nice step up for us as leaders, I think, to all as a leadership team reflect on this work and go, what do we need to build to be able to make even more of an impact in our school than uh, we do currently? And I suspect that there's some leadership teams that probably never talk with each other about their leadership
0: John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John JohnCat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says Stop Talking and Start Doing with regard to teacher well-being, and much more. These books used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com podcast. Yeah, I've I've done some leadership training with other um, schools and and helping their leadership team to mm-hmm. to get a better idea of how they can work together effectively. And one of the things that is an unfortunate outcome of that, especially when we use personality tests and things like that to help people understand and have a framework for talking about their strengths and their weaknesses and things like that, is that that result of you're the People person or you're the communication person we dole these roles out and there's there's got to be a better way to do that and what we what we don't want is to say okay now everybody's in charge of everything because then that's also not going to work so what's the happy medium that we should do instead of saying this is only you to um to we all do everything how do how do we divide up that work effectively
1: yeah i i think i think it's it's different things we might be talking about there because one is roles and i think that's that that's easy to go yeah that is your role etc but the premise of ferocious warmth is no matter what role you are doing you have a responsibility to connect the head and the heart for the people that you lead so that we can't shy away from that no matter what our role is so if if I'm very much in terms of maybe the, the strategy of the school and the, the, the rolling out the outcomes or lifting the results, I can't do that if I do not have people on board with me to do it with me. So therefore I've got to be able to have that connection, have that emotional intelligence to be able to do it. Um, if, I, if I'm in charge of well-being, let's take well-being, well-being often, you know, people will say that the people that are in charge of well-being, very strong heart-driven leaders often. But if there's not a great strategy within that well-being structure we're going to be going around in circles and so my skill as a leader to be able to build that strategy is is still needed for for me to do a good job um, and i think that um, what do we what do we say to educators around tapping into the collective genius within a school is how do you go and we, we set up peer observation go and observe people learn from them be able to build your own skills you know, if you've got people in your leadership team that have great skills around a particular area, how do you learn from them? How do you actually create a learning environment in your leadership team where you discuss your approach and why you might do that? And you learn from people who've got the skills on the other side that yours might not be quite as strongly developed. To me, that's that's true lead learner doing that work um, is I'm always looking at how can I, increase my positive impact by increasing the skills that are going to help that positive impact
0: yeah so one of the challenges we face is in giving feedback especially peer feedback that's a very hard thing for educators and it's hard for principals to give good feedback to teachers as well and a lot of times our feedback is is only based on what our experience is not based on what that person's experience is. So can you talk a little bit about how to give good feedback to people?
1: Yeah, great. I actually, a bit provocative around this. I reckon we should chuck the term feedback cultures in the bin. Yes. (laughs) Yay. I believe
0: that also. We'll get into that more. Go ahead.
1: Excellent. Great we've got so much baggage around this term feedback. For me, what this is, is how do we, instead of a feedback culture, create a learning culture. So this is the buzz work that I've done for years and years, you know, the, the schools that are right up the top of the buzz cultural ladder in the diagnostic, you know, they work as a collective. So they see that getting feedback, getting um, and giving feedback is a, is a loop. It's, it's a, we're constantly looking at how do we do this better, you know? And one of my favourite schools is Stonefields over in Auckland in New Zealand. And Sarah Martin, who runs Stonefields with her team, she's an incredibly collaborative, ferocious, warmth leader. I talk about her in the book. She and her team have this culture of we never arrive. We never arrive. And so to have that mindset straight away says, so therefore we have to not be defensive, about what we do, but be always open to learning about it and be curious. So if we come with curiosity straight away and and say we're having a conversation with with a teacher and if we come from just our lenses, this is what I know, this is what I do and this is what I'm telling you, that's not feedback anyway. What that is, is, is that, that's just a download. Whereas when that's we're having right. a learning conversation with someone around, so tell me your thinking behind that. What was your, I, you know, if you've done some observation, um, you know, some of the best reflections of observation is when a teacher can explain the, the whys and the wherefores of decisions they made in the classroom without someone who's observing just making sweeping judgments. Because there's a whole lot of assumptions about why that teacher did that. Whereas if we come seeking to understand more, let's go back to good old Stephen Covey, you know, seek first to understand, then to be understood. If we take that into that sort of learning conversation, all of a sudden we come away from being the judge and jury into the being a partner with that mm-hmm. teacher around their teaching and what they're trying to do. And I know this is, you know, so much about what how you see the world as well, Jethro, that you know that the partnership conversation is a learning conversation on both sides because if we're not learning um, and we're just expecting the other person to learn, there's a, oh, I think there's real arrogance in that myself. Mm. But I, I also think that it's it's very misguided because it doesn't allow for both of us to explore and understand why things happened or what went on. You know, so.
0: Yeah, so I would I would add to that that if our focus is on giving feedback, then we've made the judgment already yeah. and it doesn't matter what we say or what was done because we've already made a judgment about that. And so Absolutely. that's that's where I I've spent a lot of time lately thinking about what observations really should look like and I've come to the conclusion that a principal does observations basically to see if his or her vision for the school is being implemented. And then if it's not, then you talk about how to implement the vision for the school better. And beyond that, it doesn't matter what, uh, so when I was a teacher, my principal would come in and do an observation and she would tell me how many times I called on kids or how many questions I asked or whatever it was that she was observing me on. And I did absolutely zero with that information afterward. Because yeah. she was giving, she was getting a tiny glimpse of what I was doing and trying to take the art of teaching and turn it into a data set that matched mm-hmm. her expectations according to how she was trained on a per, per, particular observation instrument. And so, yeah. talk about removing it from the actual classroom yes. and not having anything to do with what I was doing day to day. And I'll never yeah. forget, she came in to do the… Formal observation that would lead to my evaluation, tell me whether or not I was a good enough teacher that I should stay there. And that day, so you were allowed to decline an observation one time, and then you had to take the administrator on the next one. So I declined the previous one because we were doing something that wasn't really conducive. And on this one, we were doing something that wasn't conducive either because the kids were giving presentations. And so I sat as a student listening to the presentations the whole time. And I still passed and I learned this observation system, this observation protocol is completely made up and there's no real value to it because I was not doing any of the teacher things that the training for it told me I needed to be doing throughout the entire class. And I was just blown away at how ridiculous and what a waste of time it was. And it was then that I recognized there's got to be something better out there.
1: Absolutely, and the, and the lack of relationship conversation with you as well. You know the that I mean that's key to this, isn't it? Is is if you're a principal, do your teachers see that you are a, a journey partner with them on their learning journey? Uh, and you know, you mentioned at the start of that that great example of the defensiveness. And I've studied quite a lot around the neuroscience of conversation. It's a lot of what I I work with when I work with leaders around building strong connection. And I worked with Judith E. Glaser, who has written a great book, Conversational Intelligence, Um, and she was based in New York. Unfortunately, she's passed away, which is a real loss for the world. But her work has been incredible in terms of shifting culture in many very large organizations by getting the leadership to have different conversations. And what we know with the brain is that if I have a sense that you always have to be right, my cortisol goes up if I have a sense that you actually are not listening to me and you're just talking at me, my cortisol goes up. And, you know, this is where what we know around the brain is so important. How many students experience this where they feel like they want to speak with an adult in the school but they're not heard or it's the teacher that has to be right? And so what we're doing is we're setting up this adversarial chemical dance in our brains. And the prefrontal cortex, when there's too much cortisol, will shut down and the amygdala kicks in and goes, I'm out of here. So mm-hmm. collaboration, problem solving, connection, empathy, all start going down. And this is what we see in low uh, cultures: is this lack of connection around the work, but also lack of connection as human beings because we're not stepping in deeply, listening to each other. So you know, I, I think this is what often happens in observations. You know, you're you're example is a great example of, well, I now will shut down from this because it seems like a waste of time and there's no deep dialogue to go with it.
0: And that's exactly what happened with me is that I just shut down and said, okay, I know that this means absolutely nothing. So I'm not going to ever worry about it again. And so I didn't for the rest of the time that I was teaching, I just, if they came to do an observation for my formal evaluation, I just said, come on in. And then they would give me the results. And then I would just toss them because they meant absolutely nothing. So, the opportunity to have those conversations was completely lost. And I worked hard as a principal to change that. I don't think everybody thought that I did it perfectly, but I'm sure, you know, different people had different perspectives, which is what I would like to talk about next, which is that some people that I worked with as a principal thought that I was a very warm, people-oriented principal. And other people, especially those that I had to hold accountable for bad decisions, mm-hmm. thought that I was a very ferocious principal. What's yeah. your advice to someone who's on either end of that spectrum to make the changes they need to get to the other side?
1: Yeah. Um, I think it's-, uh, it's Or a rather, really to get to the yeah.
0: center. Excuse it's me. I didn't to get mean to, to get, cut you off, but- <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that's all good. Yeah, get to the center. Uh, self-awareness, first- First port of call. And I think this is, um, you know, self-awareness. If you do a leadership program, usually the first module, Mm self-awareness, then we move on. (laughs) Self-awareness is so critical to this work. This is deep work, you know. This is deep really looking within and actually understanding the relationship you have and the impact you have. So the the people that saw you on the other side, Jethro, a different relationship was formed with those people then the people that interacted and triggered you into the other side. So knowing our triggers is really important. When we're in, in the centre, we're actually aware of when we might get triggered into less than useful spaces. So, for example, I work with a principal and she knows she has a real driving need to be liked and to be needed and so she, and, and there are people that trigger her into the, the good old drama triangle, the Cartman mm-hmm. triangle, you know, the, of I'll, I'm going to go and rescue you. So her work in building her skill with those particular people is to ensure that she stays balanced. And she's really got that head, what's what's the, you know, what's the strategy we're doing? What's the vision for the school? What's this? Let's always bring it back to how does this affect the student So she has these mantras that she's using to help her so that she doesn't go straying into that muckiness of actually rescuing people when they need to stand on their own two feet. But at the same time, we need to be able to bring the warmth that does support people. So it's this high challenge, high support. So the people that you mentioned that feel that they they get just that ferocity from you, I would be, if we were working together, I'd be saying, okay, so what is it that you believe they need from you more? Thinking from your heart. What do they need more? Well, maybe they need more empathy around what's really going on. Have I gone in and have I just slammed them? Rather than sitting down and going, hey, we've had three conversations around this. Mm -hmm. You know, Sarah, talk to me about what's happening here because let's have a conversation about what we're trying to achieve here and the conversations we've had now, what's really going on. And we draw from our empathy, we draw from our heart, we draw from that ability to deeply listen to someone else's perspective, whereas when we can get very re- re- results-driven, sometimes we close that down. So, again, might be that Sarah has triggered us into that because we're so frustrated. So what we're actually dealing with is not so much Sarah It's dealing with our frustration and our triggers around that of needing to be right, needing to get to the end results, getting frustrated about the lack of progress. And often it's other stuff that's triggering us into those extremes. So it it does come down to, I think, two things, self-awareness and then a really strong attention out on the impact that I am having on the people that I lead. It's a tricky one that's why it's a daily dance isn't it it's a daily dance oh five minute dance you know <laughs> that you have to re I call it recalibrating so you've got to recalibrate sometimes back to this to the center and, and, and it can be exhausting it because when we're stressed when we're stretched we're more likely to go to the extremes or towards the extremes and working with thousands of school leaders over the last 18 months with the pandemic you know we are all so stressed but school leaders you know, my mantra has been, you haven't been the mask for people. You've actually been the oxygen in the mask. And so how are you looking after yourself? So that self-care allows us to do the self-awareness. And too often what we do is we go, everyone else needs to look after themselves, but I'm okay. And we tough it out. But in actual fact, what happens is we get so stressed and stretched that those extreme behaviours actually start coming out more. So people would rather us look after ourselves and take some time off to look after ourselves or leave early and go to the gym or whatever it might be, then battle it out and be not our best self.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good advice and something that I talk about in my last book, How to Be a Transformative Principle, pen, pending title, by the way, so we'll see what that no. ends up being, but... Um, <laughs> But one of the things that is so important is starting with self-care. And that's something that we don't think about enough. And you've given an additional reason why that self-care is so important is because when you're not taking care of yourself, then you are more apt to react in these negative ways that you that you don't want to, that aren't true to yourself. So, my, yeah. my last question, Tracy, is what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative mm-hmm. principal like you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It it would be to sit down and do some reflection or, and maybe draw the infinity symbol. And I'm happy for us to have some downloads of the the, the models and things, uh, Jethro. If if mm. under the the notes, episode notes, yep. uh, where what people can do is just download and see whether they where they fit when they start going into their default. So rather than that conscious ferocious warmth in the center. Uh, and what are the strengths that you bring from both sides? so what are the what are your heart strengths, what are your head strengths? And just to observe yourself in practice around when you bring both of those together, when is it that you see really great outcomes when you are connecting people to the logic and the strategy and the vision and the how we're going to do it, as well as the storytelling and the the connection and the empathy and the and the the deep relationships with people just have some thinking about when has that been incredibly impactful and start with that.
0: Yeah. I, reflection is always a great idea. So you can check out the show notes at Jethro Jones.com slash podcast. And this episode will be there. If you click on the title in your podcast player, it'll go right there and right at Tracy's name will be a link to her website, Tracy com, And uh, it actually links to the ferocious warmth leadership page that you have on your, on your website. We'll update this between now and then if there's a better link for them to use, but yeah. that, that'll that yeah. get and you it'd be there good and for people,
1: Yeah, and it'd be great for people to check out the Buzz Academy. So the Buzz Academy is an online platform that really helps school leaders develop their middle leader and senior leader skills around professional learning cultures, so little BuzzBite bite provocation videos, and then a whole heap of resources for building a really strong professional learning culture. So, um, a link to have a look at that would be useful for many people too, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, excellent. Very good. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for being part of Transformative Principle today. I'm leaving inspired as I do every week. So, thank you very much.
1: You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Jethro. And uh, hello to all your listeners. It's been wonderful to be here.